Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode four of OSUZ 504's Freelance, the Anti-Romance. I am your humble host, beta reader number three. In our last episode, Erica has decided to become a romance writer. Marcus is probably going to get fired, and Elena discovered Boy Love Manga. And remember, if you like this book, it's available on Amazon.com and www.osuz504.tech. That's osuz504.tech. Aussie has a ton of other stuff up there as well, so check out some of its other works. And now, back to the story. Chapter 2. Using Your Character's Ability. Section 1. Intelligence Stats. The Reason You Can Read. Bzz, bzz, bzz. Marcus ignored it. The story was finally starting to get interesting. The girl was gone. I was sitting in a white, barren room behind a white table on a white chair. MJ7 sat in front of me. He was smiling. TK0454675, you have been reformatted. What? Damage sustained in your last duty cycle prohibited you from being retained as a UTM asset in current configuration. Please stand by for patch. Acknowledged. Standing by. The words seemed to belong to someone else, even as I said them. As if I was saying something so automatic I couldn't close my mouth anymore. MJ7 handed me a red folder, and a red button appeared on the table. By accepting this patch, you agree to all terms and conditions set by UTM for the revival, maintenance, and information collection in UTM biological asset management. I didn't want to read the folder. I didn't want to hit the button. I looked back at MJ. I don't want this. He kept smiling. Failure to accept the terms and conditions will result in immediate decompilation and recycle. What does that mean? His smile widened. You know what it means. I handed him back the red folder. I do not accept. Too bad, he said, hitting the red button. You're under contract. Failure to voluntarily agree allows the company to execute an involuntary service clause within that contract. He handed me a blue folder. I handed it right back. I do not accept. His smile faded. Something almost like pity seemed to reach across his face. Very well. Initiate memory dump. Partial reformatting will occur in three, two, one. I woke up. Welcome back. A human was looking at me. He seemed to be expecting a response. I did not comply. I seemed to have forgotten how to speak. I tried to lift my arms, but noticed I was strapped to a hard white table. The man peered at me, and I looked steadily back. Ah, he said, so that's the way of it. No worries, little friend, no worries. He rotated my arm to show me the inside of my forearm. This is you, see? TK0454675. I'm going to rebuke you with some default settings and see if we can't pull your last download to restore some functional data. I looked down. My midsection was covered in silver threads, sharp against blue black skin. I let my head twist to lean closer to it. A low hum of fluid and electronics seemed to run under my skin, but the sound was strangely comforting. The man returned. I blinked. He was standing next to me holding a metal device, so close I could feel his body heat. 
Are all humans so warm? I thought. He held my forehead down and inserted the metal into my ear. Immediately I was awash in memories. Training classes, names, rules, identity flowed into me. Oh, oh yes, I am TK Zero. I'm a corporate police sergeant. Instantly I relived my saved experiences, relived myself. I cleared my throat. Thank you. The engineer beamed. You're welcome, you're welcome. You are cleared for limited administrative duties until your stomach heals. Here, he leaned close again, and I had a strange disconnected flash of a girl with blue eyes as he stamped my forehead with his license number and a release for duty. There is no girl. It must have been a memory fragment from the upload or, or something, a ghost protocol. He undid the straps. I changed my uniform to brown since I was now on duty, and I left. Marcus made a final note and saved the document regretfully. When she used first person like this, he seemed to feel what the main character felt. Intense emotions, vulnerability, fear. It was wonderful. The real world is such a disappointment, he thought, dragging himself back to the office. He grabbed his phone. Marcus speaking, he said, bracing it on his shoulder and scanning through the rest of the pages, noting with satisfaction that she'd sent the entire first draft, as instructed. Amazing what regular meals could do for an author's schedule. Hey, it's Chris. There was a lot of noise in the background, as if the other man was in a crowded place. Interference from something like wind made it hard to hear him. Oh, hey, Chris. What's up? How's your girl doing? Fine, I imagine. She got a copy in on time this week, and I'm setting up her marketing strategy for the next series. Why? Oh, I don't know. No hint that she's been a little more unstable than usual? Marcus started to get a sinking feeling in his chest. No. What's happened? You might want to get down to security. He disconnected and started to run. She was there, in her usual gray sweatsuit, flyaway hair and everything. She was also lugging a serious contraption that seemed to be comprised of a bottom half of a phone booth, a collection of mirrors, and what could have been a pinball machine, or maybe a foosball table. She waved when she saw him, oblivious to the security guard attempting to get her to leave, and the crowd that had gathered to stare and comment. Marlin, she said, there you are! This guy wouldn't let me come to see you, but I have to show you this. I built it yesterday when I saw some extra materials on my walk around the apartment complex. Come and see. It's beautiful. You're going to love it. She attempted to plug it into the outlet behind the security guard's desk. The security guard looked like he was going to tase her. Uh, Easy, sir. Marcus made soothing motions towards the man. She doesn't mean any harm. She just gets excited about things easily. It's okay. The man dropped his arm and let her plug it in. She stared at him indignantly. Oh, for heaven's sakes, I am not crazy, and this is not going to hurt anyone. It's just there's only enough juice for one display, and I wanted Marcellus here to see it. She carefully oriented the machine towards the open glass partitions framing the office lobby. I think it will be worth it here. My apartment is too dark, and you can't get the light distribution without all the glass, she muttered to herself. Besides, this deserves an audience. She breathed out, adjusting the levers and mirrors slightly before flipping an activation switch on the bottom of the assembly. 
Lasers lit up, crisscrossing the foosball table, first red, then green, all flowing into a single box in the middle of the mirrors that suddenly seemed to melt or break apart. As they did, light rippled everywhere around the room. It was as if she'd captured the aurora borealis and turned it loose in the lobby. The air tingled as ionizing chemicals sizzled around them, flinging red, pink, gold, green lights against the walls, through the air, everywhere. Waves of color bathing the whole room in shimmering iridescent fireworks that danced along their skin. The crowd murmured with awe. Marcus dropped his gaze to look at Erica. Her face was shining as she watched the dance of lights on the glass, and the reflection of it in her glasses made it look like she was made of light herself. The colors swirled around them for another moment, almost hissing against his hair before petering out, and the hue of the room returned to normal. She shot him a victorious smile. Pretty amazing, huh? I used to work in a laser lab, and me and the chemist next door discovered this reaction by accident one time. She let out a long breath, still seeming to see the lights and colors. Worth it. Totally worth it. You wanted to share that with me? In the middle of the office lobby? She nodded and lightly kicked the machinery at her feet. This thing is worthless now, but I knew when I saw the hydraulic oil and the catalytic converter, I knew you should see it. Pretty spectacular, huh? A thought occurred to him. Erica, did you take apart anything in your apartment to make this? She looked up and just beyond his shoulder, as if considering. Uh, yes. What was that? A fuse box. Possibly. What else? Possibly part of the electric water heater assembly for my floor? Was the story about finding any of these parts a total lie? No, she said indignantly. The auto shop around the corner was trying to illegally dispose of regulated materials and had just thrown out some things. Professora, how much radiation were we just exposed to? She made a face. Oh, that, and waved it off. Tiny, infinitesimal, the same as standing in front of your microwave. Hmm, and chemical exposure? Um, her lips turned down a little and she waggled her head. Well, that one's a bit negotiable. I guess it, exposure, such a flexible word. I am so sorry, he said, turning to the security guard. We'll get this out of the way, right now. Come here, you crazy woman. Help me get this to the dumpster. I hey, please don't say anything, Professora. I am afraid that someone will sue us for this. Marcus lifted a portion and waited for her. How did you get this thing all the way downtown anyway? You're tiny. You're like a little mouse. An angry little mouse. She gave one of her partial shrugs that seemed to say, you don't really want to know, and I don't really want to tell you, as they dragged the machine to a dumpster in the alley. You know you can't do stuff like this, he started, heaving the thing into the trash. It makes people nervous. Yeah, I know. But it was beautiful, wasn't it? Yes, it was very pretty. But still, you could wear real clothes, and you could have called me to let me know you had something to show me. It's okay to let people participate sometimes. She sighed. No, you would have told me all the reasons not to do it, or all the things that could go wrong. People are boring like that. I wanted you to see, really see something worth seeing. 
you know, all the time you comment and all the time we talk about my writing, it's obvious that you love science. You send me the best things, but you never get to see it. I suppose it isn't very practical. There's no reason for me to do anything about it when I can just read the stories that people like you write. He perched on one of the high building curbs near the sidewalk and put in a lift request for her on his phone. But don't you ever want to see what's out there for yourself, you know? Like, don't you ever want to see the magic that people like me just lie about and make into pretty stories? Why, why didn't you go into a technical field? I got my degree online, professora, while working full-time. I like to read. It's easy. And I get to meet people like you. He booped her on the nose. I am very impressed. And it was very beautiful. But you can't take things apart like that. She held up her bag full of the borrowed equipment from her apartment. I'm going to put it back. It's not like it's permanent. Some things cannot be put back. Entropy, yes? It's a problem for people who want hot water this afternoon. Don't take your apartment apart. Okay, I won't. Marcus put her in a lift home. There were still a couple people milling around the lobby talking about the display. First time I've ever seen something like that. I mean, I've been in this town almost 25 years. Never seen a goddamn thing like it, said the security guard, almost bemused. Think, I thought she was just some bum wanting inside, a crazy person. I didn't realize she was putting on a show. Well, she is a crazy person, just not in the way most people assume, said Marcus. Thanks for letting her do this. Oh, sure, sure. You know, she seemed nice enough. Harmless, you know. Little do you know, Marcus thought, looking for Chris. Hey, hey, asshole, he said, coming back to his desk and finding Chris tucked into the adjoining cubicle. What was that? Chris glanced at him dismissively. What? I called you, didn't I? Why are you so upset? You could have at least told her to go home. You could have at least tried to get her to understand that what she was about to do was socially unacceptable and possibly dangerous. Why? Chris shrugged. She was hell-bent on seeing you, and I didn't want to talk with her. Did you see how she was dressed? Did you see the light show? Oh, yeah, that was amazing. I mean, we always knew she was crazy, but that was pretty cool. Why do you have to be like this? She still wants to talk to you, you know. You're a good editor. Why can't you just help her along a little bit? Chris snorted. What, are you going to wipe her ass for her, too? What, are you whipped? Are you sleeping with her? Oh, that is low, man. I mean, I understand when you're in a dry spell, anything looks good. But really? The crazy cat lady? She's a cartoon character. Oh, fuck you, said Marcus, turning back to his own space. No, I am not fucking her. Not like it would be your business if I was. Why can't you just be nice to her? Why do you put up with all her bullshit, Chris retorted. Normal people don't do that. They don't make mystery machines and drag them through downtown Chicago. Normal people can dress themselves, make a deadline, feed themselves. They don't need others to order groceries for them or tell them when to go to sleep. Marcus glared at him. Whoever said being normal was a good thing. She does new things. She sees things in a way you and I never will. What's wrong with that? So what if she forgets to eat sometimes or could use help keeping the bathroom clean? Her brain opens up pieces of the universe that are locked away to, to people like you and me. And she translates for us. It's amazing. I wish you could see that, or that you cared. Chris just stared at him, confused, and Marcus suddenly felt very, very tired. 
You're so sensitive, man. Don't be such a pussy, said Chris. And that one phrase seemed to sum up his entire interaction with the human race. Maybe I do prefer aliens, thought Marcus. Humans suck. Section 2. Wisdom Stats. Why Reading Matters. Marcus stretched out on the couch, reading, listening to his daughter hum to herself as she packed. Her mother's place was only a few blocks away, and she would be headed home for the week with her. There had been a remarkable amount of quiet in the house lately, and he had a suspicion he knew why. Elena? Mija? How many of those dirty books did you read? He called into the other room. There was a long pause, and he felt a smile tugging at his mouth. None? She called back, coming to the living room, holding her bag and looking embarrassed. I mean, you told me not to read them, right? No, I said that your mother wouldn't want you reading them. He glanced at her luggage. How many are in your bag right now? She cleared her throat and opened the bag up. A dozen titles with names like Nina Hartley's Total Guide to Sex, Classic Sex Positions Reinvented, Junja Romantica, The Guide to Getting It On, stared back at him. Your mother's going to kill me if she finds you reading those, Miha, and they don't belong to you. You leave them. You said they belonged to an alien. I thought you were just kidding around. I never kid about aliens, he said seriously, and this alien takes her books very seriously. Nope, leave them here, please. She rolled her eyes and pulled them out of the bag. Good girl. I don't get you, Dad. Any other father who found his daughter reading about sex would freak out. You're so mellow. He shrugged and went back to his book. The alien in question takes research very seriously. If she picked those books, they would probably give you a better education than I ever could. Definitely better than that damn Catholic school your mama picked out. I like my school. Good. I'm glad. Religion is bad for you. Remember that. Who's this alien you keep talking about? He let the book fall on his chest and tucks his arms behind his head. An author at my company. She's very good. But I'm pretty sure she wears her human form as a shell over whatever her true body actually is. He made his eyes go wide and dropped his voice an octave. For she is not of this world. Creepy-like. His kids seem unimpressed. Miha, you used to think I was a lot funnier when you were in elementary school. She sniffed. Yeah, and I used to think that fairies collected bits of bone while I was sleeping and dealt as money launderers. I'm 15, Dad. God. Ugh, that's depressing. You're making me feel old. Are you ready? I'll walk you to your mom's house. Yep. Let's go. Bzz, bzz, bzz. Marcus felt something dragging him out of sleep. He cracked an eye open. His cell phone was buzzing and tinkling the new ringtone he was trying out. It was way too quiet. If he was going to have to get up when it was still dark, he needed something violent and jarring to make sure he stayed awake. Hello, he said, letting his head drop back into the pillow, hoping he could go back to sleep. Marcus here. Uh, hi, it's Erica. Erica? What's wrong, he said, suddenly awake. Why are you calling me at uh, 4 a.m.? Nothing good happens after 3 a.m. I'm so sorry, but could you come and pick me up? I seem to have gotten thrown out of my apartment. At 4 a.m.? Someone threw you out of your apartment in the middle of the night? Uh, well, not exactly. See, I got thrown out, mm, technically, this afternoon. Wait, 
yesterday afternoon, maybe. I don't exactly remember. It kind of runs together. And they were going to give me till tomorrow or today to move out. But that was a couple days ago. So the cops are going to come this morning and I need to get my stuff. But there are no moving vans or anything available. He closed his eyes in deep, abject suffering. Erica, why are you getting thrown out of your apartment? Yeah, so, um, remember the parts that I took from the building? And remember how I replaced the parts that I'd taken from the building like a good girl? Uh, but then they asked when what I was doing, and I told them, and the building manager got very upset, and then they decided to inspect my apartment, and then they found the mold and the slime growths and the DNA kits, and they sort of freaked out. And I tried to tell them that it was just research for a book, and the molds were harmless, but they evicted me, and then I got caught up with a great story where the main character gets thrown out on the street, and she gets taken in by a church and learns to become a nurse, where, ay ay ay, stop, stop. Yes, I will come pick you up. There may be some 24-hour van rentals around. Use your beautiful brain to find me something, and I'll meet you there to load your stuff. But I don't have a car, and where am I going to go? Okay, I will bring the van to you. We will load up your books, and I will bring you here to my place. He heard her exclamation and quickly followed up with, But, but, listen to me. No growing slime molds. No dissembling anything in the apartment. No lighting anything on fire and no experimentation on me or any other residents without their express written consent. Is that clear? Silence. Professora, you will eat with me every day. You will shower every day. You will share space respectfully, yes? Yes. Good. One minute, I will come get you. Marcus smiled reassuringly at the building manager who was anxiously hovering around the apartment. Of course, he said. I totally understand that you can't refund her deposit. She understands that too. We just need a little extra time to move out her things, and then we'll be out of your hair. The short, balding man seemed very nervous, twisting his hands back and forth, and anxiously twitching every time Erica came out of the room with another box of books. She didn't really have any possessions worth keeping other than the books and the computer. Everything else was going in the trash or the donation pile. Her bed was trashed. The dresser was actually falling apart. Clothes she hadn't worn in years were moth-eaten and shrunk beyond wearability. In the interest of time and patience, he just dropped everything that wasn't a book into a bin and regularly visited the dumpster. Erica had lived on the 18th floor, and the manager was concerned about holding the elevator, and concerned about her actually leaving, and concerned about the state of the apartment, which Marcus could definitely understand. Sir, this should have been done days ago, and you have to reserve the elevator at least 24 hours in advance, and I'm not sure what she was storing in that room, but it was a mess. We'll have to completely replace the carpets and repaint the walls, so of course I can't give you the deposit back, and if you could just hurry up, that would be great. You'll still owe the full remainder of the lease, you know, and, and we'll prosecute. He jumped a little as Erica reemerged from her former apartment. Marcus just nodded, nodded and smiled and tuned him out. Erica left with another dolly full of books down to the loading dock, and the manager glared at her. She gazed placidly back, seemingly unaware of his irritation. I am so sorry for this inconvenience, said Marcus, and thank you so much for giving us some extra time to load out. I'll make sure she clears the remainder of the lease with you today. Uh, we really don't mind about not getting the deposit back. <clears throat> Marcus nodded to the maintenance closet. And she did reset all of your electronic settings and update your temperature sensors with the new manufacturer's patch, as well as replace a couple solenoid valves when she reinstalled the equipment for the water system. 
I think you can call it even. The little man huffed. Even. She's a freak. Never had this problem in 15 years managing the building. She's not a freak. Marcus felt his temper fraying just a little. Besides the fact that he was tired and hungry and moving the largest library in the state of Illinois by hand on a day he should be working instead of taking personal time to assist the world's most forgetful basket case of an author, uh, he lost his train of thought. I will go home and sleep for a week, he thought, trying to console himself. Erica had come up with the dolly again. Erica, go pay off your lease. Why? The manager is just going to yell at me. You have to pay your lease. He rummaged around in the purse that he'd found and where he was collecting all of her useful adult things like checkbooks and handed her the pristine paper. I know you can afford it. Just go pay the man. How much is it? I don't know. It's your lease. She blinked almost as if she was seeing something different that she wasn't expecting. Deja vu. As if she was surprised to be standing here with him talking about this at seven o'clock in the morning. Huh. She looked up at him. For a moment, he got the impression that she was looking through him, like his insides were getting seen, like his personality and mind were unfolded and laid in front of her. It was extremely disconcerting. Thank you, was all she said. She wrote out the exact amount. She'd known it, but had been testing him. For what, he wondered, and made her way over to the manager. Marcus saw the man's shoulders slump with relief and saw his expression relax. Erica even tried a reassuring smile and what might have been an apology. It was the most normal thing he'd ever seen her do. They pulled the last of the boxes out of her apartment and headed home. Another two hours later, his place looked like a poorly run bookstore. She could sleep on the couch for now, but the little two-bedroom condo had not been built for this number of tomes. Maybe we're over the weight rating. He had a sudden image of the apartment crumbling Indiana Jones style underneath them and he could feel the floor almost groaning with each box they'd brought in. When she'd stepped through the threshold, he'd felt her sigh and immediately stare out the large glass-paned windows towards the city center. It was the reason he'd brought this place years ago. Light streamed in from all directions, and she'd immediately gone to thrown open, throw open the double doors to stand on the balcony and breathe in the fall air. It smells like winter, she'd said, like cold and sleep on the wind. What do you say to that? He didn't know. The boxes of books were stacked everywhere. There were boxes in the kitchen, boxes in both bedrooms, boxes in the closet, boxes on the balcony. He shook his head. Professora, it is a good thing that you don't have anything but books. If you had any other weaknesses, we would not be able to fit you in this place. Almost as an afterthought, he said. We must put up some shelves and maybe some space-saving furniture. Elena will be shocked when she comes home next week. Elena? My daughter. You have a daughter? The look of surprise on her face made him a little uncomfortable for reasons he couldn't quite define. Yes, she's 15, almost 16 now. I share custody with her mother. He closed his eyes trying to imagine how she would react, finding an alien in a bookstore where nothing had been last week. I may have made a tactical error, he thought. Where is she? Erica looked around as if the girl was going to pop out of the woodwork. Her mother and I switch off every other week. We live only a few blocks from each other and from the school, so Elena just lives with both of us, off and on. More if one of us is traveling. She seemed to be processing something in her mind. So it is important for you to make sure Elena lives in a clean, safe, organized place. Yes. Oh? 
She seemed to process that for a minute. Is that why you were so interested in cleaning up my place? Because you thought I needed more support and structure in my life? He nodded. Oh, a light bulb seemed to go on in her head. You need to be adaptable and figure out how to help you make this work, and physical comfort is important to you and your daughter. She nodded as if to herself. Excellent. Uh, excellent what? He said, starting to get nervous. Remember what I told you. No experimentation, no taking things apart. Eat daily, shower daily. She listened to him intently and nodded after each condition. He got the impression she was memorizing the list. Feels like programming a computer, Kenya thought. Right, I hear you. No experimentation, no taking things apart. Eat daily, shower daily. Can I fix broken things if it requires taking them apart? Only with my permission. She scowled and he shrugged. Professora, I saw your apartment. You do not have a great track record of being able to take care of your things. Ah, she nodded again. Good point. If I can manage not to trash your home, I will get trust. I will also pay you rent. He snorted a little. Of course you will pay me rent. Half the mortgage on this place is reasonable. Kitty scrabbled up to a new perch on the balcony of books. He seemed to be the only one enjoying all of the stacks. He made a game out of leaping from one to another around the room, and he had his own small corner of the kitchen laundry room, a new bed, and a new dish. Marcus made her small privacy corner out of book boxes around the couch and promptly fell on his face in the bedroom. Deep, peaceful sleep overtook him as he curled into the blankets, hearing the tap, tap, tap of her fingernails on the keyboard from the other room. Poor Elena, having to learn to live with an alien. At least she'll get to read more dirty books, and maybe she'll finally get a pet. I suppose there are worse things.